0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Everybody doing well? I want to say, uh, you know, welcome to our guests. I know we have a couple of guests with us, and that's not Darren and Susan, right? I mean, they're family, right? You know, Darren, some people move away for a short period of time, and then they come back. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it's never too late, brother. It's never too late to come back home. You know, as we look at the, uh, the message here on the screen behind me here this morning, we're gonna be talking about the new year. I mean, it's a, it's a new year, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a time of refreshing, a time of renewing, and I wanted, I wanted to talk about the new year because we, who here has made resolutions this year? I, I, did, I read some articles about resolutions. If you made a resolution, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, very few people in here made a resolution. How many people in here this morning have uh, goals that they're trying to attain for this upcoming year? Raise your hand. Okay, so you have some goals, right? What's the difference between a goal and a resolution? There is no difference. A goal is a resolution. And so I want us to ask ourselves, when we think about our faith, when we think about our goals or resolutions, however you want to state it, how often do you attain those goals? And I, said, I asked that question because I was, I was reading some statistics. Um, I read a couple articles, and it said basically that 38.5% of Americans will, uh, will make some resolutions. And most of that 38.5%, the article said, were, they fall in the demographic between 18 to 34 years of age. And it says as you get older, then uh, the number of people making resolutions become less and less because they realize it's futile because they never actually did it when they were younger, so why make them while they're older? And so that's why there was probably only a couple hands that actually went up when I asked who made a New Year's resolution. There was literally, I think, less than five. And so I want to just give you a couple of the statistics that, that we've seen here because, you know, why do we value our physical, emotional, and spirit, spiritual growth so little? And I say that, once I give you these numbers, it'll actually make more sense. Why do we value our physical, emotional, and spiritual growth so little? Why do we quit before we even barely begin when it comes to resolutions, when it comes to goals, when it comes to things that we say that we want, but we really don't even put a lot of effort into attaining the things that we want, you know? In fact, here are some, st- some startling st- statistics. Like I said, 38.5% of 350 million people made some New Year's resolutions. 20% of those break their resolutions by the end of the first week. 31 lose their resolutions by the second week of January, and 40% do not last more than one month with their resolutions. And out of that number, only 9% will actually attain the goal, the resolution that they set out. And so I would ask ourselves the couple questions based with those numbers in mind. Why do we value so little our physical, emotional, spiritual growth? Why do we quit so easily when we say we want to do something and yet 20% of us don't even make it six, seven days? 30% don't make it two weeks. 40% don't make it past the month. Me and and Aiden were riding by the gym the other day, and we noticed that Planet Fitness was packed. (laughs) Packed to the gills. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to exercise. Well, you see where these numbers line up with those thought processes. For many Americans, brethren, the lack of commitment to their own resolution is mirrored by the lack of commitment to their faith. This is part of the article that I was reading. You think about that simple statement. That the lack of commitment to your own resolution, your own goals, is mirrored by your lack of commitment when we approach spiritual matters. You know, Solomon tells us, as I look at the first passage of Scripture here this morning, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, Whatever your hands find to do, he says, I want you to do it with all your might. He says, because there is no activity, there is no planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol... Where you are going? When Ecclesiastes chapter nine and verse ten, what is is Solomon telling us there? Solomon is just telling us that death awaits us all. So he's saying that I need you, I want you, I implore you to make the most of your time here on earth. Take the days that you have left and glorify God with those very days. You know we think about, you know, think about the questions of why do we quit so easily? Why do we not value our own physical health more? Why do we not uh, value our own spiritual health more? Why do we not value our own emotional health more? Why are we not doing more things to, to bring about harmony in our hearts and our minds and our souls than we do when it comes to, well, our hobbies and some other things that we may want to do? You know, you think about Solomon and what he had to say here this morning. In the book of James, it tells us that our lives are like a vapor. They're here for a second. They're gone the next. What is the point that Solomon and James are trying to tell us? That our lives are going to be gone very quickly in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of eternity, your life is literally like a blink of an eye. Your life is like a blink of an eye. And so we need to make sure that we value our lives and we value uh, our faith. Why? Because we understand that we have life. But you only have extended life if you are part of the church. You only have extended life through and in Christ Jesus. And it's his blood sacrifice on the cross who will extend our lives in paradise and not in torments. And so the question that that needs to be asked is, why don't we live our lives with more urgency? Why don't we live our lives with more urgencies when it comes to our spiritual matters? So many of us get caught up in our careers, we get caught up in hobbies, we get caught up in miscellaneous activities, that we have forgotten what matters most. In the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, the scriptures tell us, but to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things in which you need will be added unto you. So now, this new year is upon us. And as we enter into 2023, we need to reevaluate our priorities. Who here leading into or this past week has stopped to reevaluate your priorities. I want you to raise your hands if you've actually reevaluated your priorities. And there's only a very few hands that have just went up. Why have you not evaluated your priorities? How do you know how you're doing if you're not regularly evaluating your goals, your priorities, your resolutions, whatever you want to call it? You see, there's a reason why I and other preachers and other Bible study teachers, uh, we encourage people to evaluate their faith on a regular basis. How do you know if you're failing in an area if you don't take constant stock of where you stand in said area? And so, brethren, that's why it's so very important that we do these things. We also need to be aware, and we need to be more aware, of how we're spending our time. Because time is the most fragile gift you have. If you watch the news and you've heard me say this before, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's not a scare tactic, it's just the truth. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So you might want to get your act together today. And when I say get your act together, I'm talking spiritually speaking. And sure, there's other areas of lives that, we, that other areas of our lives that we can get that we need to get uh, that we need to get in order, get in check. But we need to make sure that we're not wasting the most precious gift that we have, and that's time. Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin once wrote, he said, "Do you love life? Then do not waste time, for that is the thing that life is made of." If you love life, do not waste time because that is the thing that life is made of. Our use of our time determines success or failure, amen? And so why is it that if our use of time determines success or failure, do we not evaluate how we're spending our time more often? Why is it that most of us haven't actually evaluated where we're at in regards to our our priorities, our goals, our resolutions, so, brethren, when we look at this lesson here this morning, there's a few things that I want us to take away from it. The first is that we need to be resolved to stay in the race. I'm going to give us about five or six different things that I, need us to, that I need us to really focus in on, that I need us to hone in on here this morning. Because surely it is fitting that if you're going to make some resolutions, if you're going to have some goals, we need to make sure that some of them are biblical. Some of them are spiritual in nature. And the reason why I asked and I started with some of those statistics, there's some of us I know that have the daily Bible. And there's some of us I know that follow along with the daily reading plan, plan. How many times have you started a daily Bible reading plan and you haven't got through February? March. Usually you're into about Leviticus hopefully by then and boy it gets tough. Right? And if you haven't read Leviticus in a while, trust me, it's a tough read. Right? Exodus ain't no, uh, isn't much better either. But we get into the law, we get into some of those different things, and we start to slow down, we start to lose interest, we start to just, well, find excuses for why we're not going to read the Bible through this year. And so I would ask you, as a Christian, who here's read the Bible all the way through? And you don't have to raise your hand, I want you to think about that. If you're a Christian, have you read the Bible all the way through? And even if you haven't read the New Testament, because last time I checked, we're, uh, or the Old Testament, last time I checked, we're New Testament Christians, amen? Have you read at least the New Testament? Have you read the New Testament all the way through? And how often do you read the New Testament all the way through? In order to make sure that you're living according to how God would re- what God would require of you. Does God have certain requirements that we as Christians need to meet? Right? Does God have requirements for salvation? And the answer is yes. Well, how can you know what those requirements are if you have never actually even read the requirements? And so there's reasons why I want us to, uh, I asked the question about goals and resolutions. There's reason, reasons why I'm asking us to, to consider how often we quit, how often we fail when we set resolutions, when we set goals, when we, uh, when we prioritize our very lives. Why is it that we, we fail to live up to the things that we even prioritize? You see, brethren, it's because oftentimes we quit too easily. And I want you to think about that question when you leave here today. Why is it that I quit on myself before I really even get started? How many people here have ever wanted to learn a new language? How many people here have ever uh, wanted to learn a new instrument or learn an instrument, learn how to play an, any instrument, right? How many people here wanted to lose some weight? How many people here wanted to, to make exercise a, 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 a part of their daily routine? How many people here wanted to read through the Bible? How many people here, you could just keep on filling in the list, right? You can just keep on going down the list. How many of those things have you accomplished? And if you haven't accomplished them, why did you choose to fail? Because last time I checked, if you don't achieve a goal or a resolution, most of the time it's because you choose to quit. And so I ask you this morning, why do we choose to quit on ourselves? And I want us to think about these things because as we enter into 2023, I want this to be the most successful year of your life. I want to be this the year that that, that you succeed in reading through at least the New Testament. I want this to be the year that you take your health more seriously. I want this to be the year that you take your emotional and spiritual well-being more seriously. And I ask you to do those things because if you do those things, it's going to give you the energy and the mindset that you need to help mentor others, to help encourage others, so that way they can take that next step in their own spiritual, emo- emotional, physical uh, walk. So, brethren, as we think about letting us resolve to stay in the race, brethren, that simply means that in the race of our Christian faith and not in worldliness, let us resolve to stay in our spiritual race and not our worldly race. Notice what the Apostle Paul had to say about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we get to verse 24 through 27 on the screen behind me. Notice what it says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? So he says, run in such a way that you may win. He's saying, don't quit. Don't give up. But do it in such a way that you will win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable wreath. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. Meaning that he has prioritized some things. He has some goals he's trying to attain. And he says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not just beating the air. But I discipline my body. I discipline my mind. And I make it my slave. Why? So that after I have preached to others, I myself may not come disqualified. Do you see how... 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven is really so relevant to what we're talking about here this morning. We need to get rid of everything that is going to slow us down. We need to get rid of everything that is going to hold us back. That may include material things. That may include people that we need to remove from our lives if they're a detriment to our well-being, whether it be fear, uh, whether it be physically or spiritually. And brethren, we need to get rid of things that were detour detour us. From winning the crown of life. The next area that I want us to consider this morning is let us resolve to stop making excuses. You know, brethren, that is so very important because a common practice in society today is excuse making. I've done it, and I know probably everybody in this building has made excuses at one time or another why we're not going to do something. And many times when we fail to do what God has commanded us to do, we start to make excuses. Instead of just taking responsibility for our shortcoming, we decide to make excuses. And so many in the church today, they take lightly the command to, well, come together to worship God. Why is it that we have members that used to be members here that no longer worship the Lord their God? They say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I still love the Lord, I still believe, but they haven't sat in a pew amongst their brethren in months or years. Brethren, let's make sure that we call upon them, encourage them to come back to the Lord, come back to the church family. Last time I checked, Hebrews says we are to encourage each other as we see the day drawing near. So the the little empty pews, the spots in the pews that you see where somebody's been missing, maybe it's been for a few weeks or a few months or heaven forbid years, Let's reach out to them. Let's encourage them. Let's be bold if we have to as we talk to them. Because, brethren, their lives, spiritually speaking, are on the line. They're not guaranteed salvation if they walk away from the Lord. It's not enough to just believe in the Lord, brethren. You have to practice your faith. So, brethren, many in the church today, they take too lightly the command to come together to worship, to love your neighbor as yourself, to forgive others and be merciful, to honor your mother and father, to go the extra mile, and so and so many other things that can be listed. Too many of us are making excuses, and we take it too lightly. Usually, brethren, when a failure happens we fail because we fail to live according to God's instructions and that is why we have to understand that how does God speak to us today is God speaking to you audibly and if the answer is yes well then we need to talk afterwards because I know some counselors and I'm going to set you up with one of those counselors because God does not speak to us audibly but he for sure speaks to us through the holy scriptures we know that we have the new testament And we know that that is how God speaks to us today. He speaks to us through his son, through the Holy Spirit, and we have recorded it for our uh, well-being. So that way we can pass that on to future generations. And so brothers and sisters, it's time that we stop making excuses and give our best to God, give our best to the church, give our best to the world, and give our best to ourselves. Why is it that we we refuse sometimes to do what's best for ourselves, and yet we try to help others in the same arena? The The third thing that I would like us to be resolved is to be good soldiers of Christ. What does it really mean to be a good soldier of Christ? You see, brethren, the army of God is made up of all volunteers. Our enlistment began by faith. It is by You volunteered to be part of the army of God. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 6 that Aiden read here this morning, it says without faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When you think of this idea of being a soldier of Christ, soldiers of Christ have repented of our sins. We confess the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We confess the name of Jesus as our Commander-in-Chief, if you will. And we were buried with Christ for the remission of our sins. No longer living for our own desires, but living for the desires of God. Trying to fulfill God's will and to do all that God requires of us. As a result of our enlistment in God's army, brethren, a Christian must be in subjection to God's will. You cannot be faithful and true unto God if you are not in subjection to his will. You cannot worship God if you are not a servant of God. Because we first have to give our lives over to Christ as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we fight the good fight of faith. Remember what the Apostle Paul, when he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11 and 12. Paul told Timothy, but flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, he's telling us. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you were made, when you made the good good, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Brothers and sisters, as God's children, we promised to the Lord that, we, that when we die to ourselves in the waters of baptism, that we would be faithful unto all that God had required of us. We promised to love the Lord. We promised to love the church. We promised to keep the commandments of the Lord. We promised to walk in God's ways, in all His ways, and to serve the Lord and to serve His people all the days of our lives. You see, brethren, those who genuinely love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their soul, they will keep their promises unto the Lord. They will not make excuses and they will not fail when it comes to doing all that God requires of them. Next, I want us to resolve to be united in love. These are different things I'm going through here this morning that show us what we are to do what we, the promises that we have made and how we can actually have a deeper, stronger faith as we move forward into 2023. Let us be resolved to be united in love. The Apostle John commands Christians to love one another. And the lack of love causes a serious problem in the church. It causes harm to the church. It causes harm to us individually. Notice what John had to say in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 11. For this is the message, he says. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Brothers and sisters, if there is one thing that all men know about the teachings of Jesus Christ, is that he displayed love in all that he did. He displayed love and care and empathy and mercy and grace in all that he did. In fact, that was the ultimate example that he gave to us. Remember the words of Jesus in John chapter thirty-five, or John chapter thirteen in verse thirty-five. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is that difficult to understand? By this, others will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you know that we truly never, How do you know and how do you realize that we truly love our brethren? By allowing our sacrificial attitudes to work towards their well-being, even at the detriment of our own. You see, brethren, did Jesus work towards our well-being, even at his own detriment? And I wonder how many of us could think about that mindset, that attitude, and ask ourselves, how many times do I live sacrificially towards others, even if it means I have to put my own ones aside? Even if I have to put my own desires aside, even if I have to maybe miss something that I have on my schedule, knowing that that's really not that important, but my brother or my sister needs me. You see, brethren, Jesus lived the type of life that was always, always for others and never for himself. If, it was, if Jesus was more concerned about himself, he would have failed in the temptations in the garden. He would have gave in to what, uh, what Satan was trying to do. Especially that third temptation. When he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you all that you see. And Jesus says, depart from me, Satan. Leave from me, Satan. Why? Because he says, you are to worship the Lord your God and him only are you to serve. Brothers, brothers and sisters, the next thing I want to look at is let us resolve in 2023 to be unselfish. I want us to resolve to be unselfish because the Apostle Paul, he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 15, that Jesus died for all. But notice what it says. So that they who live might no longer live for what? For themselves. Exactly what I've just been saying. So that they no longer might live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Brothers and sisters, Jesus deserves all of our glory. Amen. Christians are bought and redeemed by the Lord for his own possession. And one of the most difficult things in this life is denying self. We understand that we live in a selfish society, we just do. And one of the most difficult things is to deny myself and to to deny myself for the betterment or for the good of others around me. Too often I'm only concerned about my thoughts, my well-being, my ambitions, and not necessarily that of those in the Lord's church. Brethren, to be a disciple of Christ, we must always look to do God's will. I want you to listen to what uh, Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, and verse uh, 24 through 26, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And do what? Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ compels us to deny ourselves. Just like Christ gave up his power... Christ gave up his power, his glory, his majesty as we learn in Philippians chapter 2, and he as he had done as the things that he had before the foundation of the world, he freely took on flesh. He freely became man. Also he could teach his creation the new covenant. Also he could die a horrible, painful death so that we may have an opportunity At heaven, that we may have an opportunity at salvation. He took upon the pain and the sorrow of the world so we may have a chance to live. Brethren, in 2023, let us resolve to have a godly influence on others. Having a godly influence on others is absolutely crucial. In the book of Philippians, in chapter one and verse twenty-seven, the scriptures tell us, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that whether I come and see you and remain, or whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, s- striving together for faith in the gospel. Brothers and sisters, let us let when we look at this information here this morning. Like it or not, how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives in in this world, it matters. You know, we are representatives of God. We are representatives of the Lincoln Park Church of Christ. And how we conduct ourselves matters. If we wish to attain the goals that we set for ourselves, spiritually speaking, we have to be mindful of our conduct. We have to be mindful of our actions, our words, and everything else that goes, uh, that, that, that goes along with being a Christian. And so I implore you, I encourage you to think about your faith, to ask yourself, am I stronger in 2023, or am I stronger now entering 2023 than I was as I entered 2022? Meaning, what did you do with 2022? How did you grow? How did you mature in 2022, spiritually speaking? Did you grow immature? And if you didn't, why? Yeah. What, what hindered you from growing? What hindered you from becoming the best version of yourself for the good of the kingdom? For the good of the church? You see, I'm trying to challenge you this morning. Because there's only 9% of 38% of 350 million people who made resolutions who even keep them. And we know how many people start uh, the Bible reading programs that never finish them. And I know some of us have read the Bible. Some of us have read the Bible multiple times. But how many of us have failed? And why have we failed? Because we didn't prioritize it. Why don't we show up for Bible study on Wednesday night? Because we don't prioritize it. Why do most of the congregation not show up for Sunday morning Bible study? Because we don't prioritize it. I'm stepping on some toes. I understand that. But, brethren, I need you, I implore you, for your own spiritual well, uh, salvation, to prioritize your faith, prioritize your walk with Christ. You voluntarily went into the baptistry, you voluntarily promised God that you would do all that was required of you. And yet, some of us are not even doing the most basic things. So, why do we quit so easily? Why do we give up on ourselves so easily? Brothers and sisters, lastly, let us resolve to support this congregation. I love the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with all my heart. I, myself, need to do a better job in 2023. And I would hope that each of you would think about your own faith, your own work when it comes to this congregation, and ask yourself, how can we all become better? How can we all become stronger? Let us look at ways that we can help this congregation to to thrive as we enter into this new year. We can help this congregation by living holy lives. We can help this congregation by giving of the elders our our complete and full uh, uh, support. We can help this congregation by promoting love and unity within its ranks. We can help this congregation by never bringing shame upon it. We can help this congregation by giving cheerfully of our financial means and giving cheerfully of our time and our resources to the betterment of our ministries and this congregation. We can help this congregation by regularly inviting friends and family. When is the last time that you invited a friend, a co-worker, a family member? Some of our kids do better than our adults in in inviting their friends to worship. Why is that? Why do congregations have to have a special day of the year, invite friends or family weekend? Why are we not inviting friends and family throughout the year? Do they not need Jesus? Do they not need salvation? Brothers and sisters, we could help this congregation by hosting fellowships in our home. We could help this congregation by, by actively being involved in Bible studies outside of this building, in our homes, and building stronger relationships and helping people to have a stronger faith. So ask yourselves this question before we leave What are you going to do with this new year? What are you going to do with this new year that God has allowed you to enter into? We all need to grow in faith, and we all need to do better. We all need to reprioritize our lives and to make sure that God is at the head of that list. Because if God is not at the head of that list in your priorities, your faith will continue to wallow, your faith will continue to fail. Why? Because your faith isn't a priority. The definition of insanity, brethren, is doing the same things over and over and over and expecting different results. And according to the Apostle Paul, the death of Jesus, it obligates us to live long, no longer for ourselves, but for Jesus who died for us. And so, brethren, also according to the Apostle Paul, the death of Christ obligates us to show love and mercy to all that we encounter. And so as we close this lesson down, brothers and sisters, make Make this new year, make 2023 a year in which you, that you uh, grow. Not that you say you're going to grow. Don't make excuses for why you stop growing, but that you are going to grow spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Maybe not grow physically. I might have to change those words. But make sure that you're going the right direction, physically speaking. Seriously, though, too often We quit. There's a reason why out of 38% of 350 million people, only 9% of them actually achieve their resolution. Let us strive to be a, let's strive to be part of the 9%, and not part of the 91% that fails and makes excuses around every corner. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today, I know I stepped on some toes, but it's truly, it's truly a message that I just present to us because I want us to consider our faith. I want us to consider our goals, and I want us to consider our priorities. Where is God on that list? And brethren, if you're here today and God is not at the top of that list, I, the elders, our deacons, many of our men and women could help mentor you, could help encourage you, and could help you, just as I know that we all need help from time to time. If if that is you today, come forward. But maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God and you want to start the year outright. What better way to start the year outright right, than having your sins washed away? By being added to the Lord's church. By receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, if that is your desire and you want to start the year outright, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.